tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian in Chicago. I survived a month-long coma eight years ago, and I woke up with questions. My guest this week is Thomas Kelly of the God Improv Team, Sand, literally one of the greatest improv teams of all time. He and Mike Brunlieb and Scott Nelson and various other collaborators have been entertaining audiences in Chicago and all over the world for many years now. You can follow Sand on Instagram. They just joined. Or Thomas gave me permission. You can join the very DIY Sand email list by emailing thomasdkelly at gmail.com. So do that. I will say before we get into the episode, my dream is to do This Is Your Afterlife full time. Patreon supporters make that ever close to a reality And you get awesome bonus episodes. You get longer conversations with my guests. You get totally different kinds of episodes, like movie, the Afterlife Movie Club episodes. So you can become an Afterhead for $5 a month at patreon.com slash davemar. If you join at $15 a month, you become a pigeon-level patron who gets your name read on every single episode. Those pigeon patrons are John Lee, Shuba Singh, Debo, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, Susie Carroll, and Fred Fidoa. Other ways you can support the show, you can take a second to subscribe or rate it, you can take a minute to leave a review, or you can take an hour to recite your favorite episode to a friend. I'm an independent artist, I rely on word of mouth to grow, and no matter what, I appreciate you listening. So, here's my conversation with Thomas Kelly. I grab your whip and take it back to Chi-Town. When I'm in Chi-Town, I treat it like it's... Paint your hell. My hell. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess like, okay, my answer <laughs> um, is I think, you know, and uh, yeah, maybe like kind of like all the, based on all the work I've been doing the past couple of years would maybe be like, maybe my thinking five years ago where like I'm constantly really wanting to be somewhere unhappy that I'm not there and everything in my life, not, you know, it's not, I'm making it more bleak to represent yeah, my yeah, health. Um, a FOMO thing. Yeah. Or just like, uh, you know, wanting something more from, or like wanting, you know, recognition, uh, sort of devotion, um, and just sort of constantly, you know, maybe not appreciating what I have. Okay. So it's a, it's a pure emotional, mental, psychological state. Yeah, I think so. So what are the things that you're like most scared to lack to you be know, without? I think like career is like pretty uh, prevalent to where like, you know, I've always wanted more or like wanted, even like when I've had success, Yeah, it's always like, well, you know, it's nice being on a national commercial, but I wouldn't mind like having a funny part in a movie, yeah. you know, where yeah. it's like, there's always like the grass is greener on the other side mm-hmm. or like, you know. Is it? Is there a deeper desire for fame 
or attention or uh, peer recognition or money or like, do you know what the like, what that overreaching desire represents? Hmm. Yeah, I think of those, maybe it was like peer recognition or reputation. And also maybe like a feeling like I did it, you know, like I was able to make someone feel like the way that I feel when I watched like X movie or something or saw X piece of art. Um, And I think, well, you know, maybe what is a trap, but what I've been thinking about recently is like, I just would like it to feel easier, you know, where like, it's like I walk in a room and I don't have to like start from zero (laughs) or like, Mm. and like, maybe that is all to have a reputation that precedes you. Yeah. But like, but that all might be confidence. I think no matter what you are, you know, you'll enter a room and someone won't be able to appreciate all that you are. So, so is it respect? It sounds like you just want not, not actively now, but the thing you've worked to, distance yourself from is just wanting everyone to know. It sounds like the underlying question is like, do you know who the fuck I am? I think, you know, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> like, you know, you saying that gave me chills and that like, <laughs> um, I think I often sort of like, you know, I think even if like, you know, someone cuts in front of me in line, I just kind of like, excuse me. Yeah. Don't you know <laughs> that's so who funny. you're cutting in front of, you know, like, and it may not necessarily be like related to comedy or something, yeah. but it's yeah, just yeah, like yeah. the sort of like bug up my butt to be like, I'm 10 feet tall. And like every sort of interaction can be like, it's like, I've been sitting here and you haven't taken my order yet yeah i and i'm being polite about that and i don't think you're appreciating (laughs) how lucky you are that i'm here you know well now it feels like we're in like sand comedy territory somehow the like distinction between what someone like their perception of themselves and how they are actually being or something totally just, or or maybe it's just that tone that like slightly impatient tone that I've heard in many sand shows. Yeah. But I'm also surprised to hear that a little bit because I feel like, I mean, I can relate to that hardcore, but I feel like I lead with that a lot more in a way where I'm often trying to be like, Hey, here's my first reaction. Everybody, this is what I don't want to be. But you, you don't get that's not like a apparent on the surface of you. I yeah. Think. It's like funny. I feel like people like reflect that I'm like very chill a lot or something. Yeah. And I also think right. I'm, I'm like pretty chill, but I think it would also say like still waters run deep. And that sure. like, maybe you lead with something that I'm too cowardly to kind of say out loud, you know, <laughs> shallow waters boil over <laughs> in your face. <laughs> right. So it's a very like, it's a very like stereotypical buttoned up man containing his overwhelming emotions that we're working with. Yeah, I think so. And like, you know, it's just like, I feel like my brain buzzes and whirs. So like a lot of thoughts kind of run through to where like, you know, I think oftentimes even in unhealthier times, it's kind of like, I'm going to wait for this to settle a little bit before. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you have the actual patience to, to do that and not immediately speak to 
the emotion. Yeah, because I think it just you know it feels like three people are trying to like walk through a doorway, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I and I don't, you know, I think I'm kind of I'll kind of like bounce back and forth between each person before I kind of you know can't exp- get someone to get through the doorway. And the persons are in your mind, mm-hmm. yeah. And and so the process you kind of referred to indirectly, well, I guess you did directly refer to it, but you talked about the work you've been doing the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That is to, I guess it sounds like align who you are underneath with what you're able to project on the surface, even though that might be like a backwards way of thinking about it. Yeah, I think that that feels right. Or like, you know, I think, you know, the pandemic was like such a sort of strange point. It really sort of like a precipice that like, I think when it was like first starting, it was kind of like, oh, is my skill dead? Like at the end of this, can we, will we ever be able to have 20 people in a room doing anything? Right. You know, is acting. (laughs) comedy improv dead um and i think kind of like coming from that maybe like perceived death or sort of perceived uh vacancy Mm -hmm. or like having whatever it apparent you know coming out of it and just trying to like improve upon everything and like, you know, that's sort of my mantra right now of like, how can I do this better? Or like, how can I be better? Um, as so. a person, not just as a performer. Yeah. And as a performer. <laughs> <laughs> what do you hope happens when you die? I guess nothing. You hope nothing. Yeah. Why? I guess there's like this sort of idea, and I feel like maybe we talked about it in preparation. And with your heaven show. Yeah. But like this idea with that. The, oh, the Feed Wolf ice cream show or the one that I, that show that I did the actual afterlives show where I had people put up what they thought the afterlife could be for 10 minutes. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if I saw that, but you did have that section and Feed Wolf ice cream, but we, we, we had a devil dogs and we talked about. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. Afterlife. Yeah. Where, like, this idea that my memories kind of will last with me as I die and that, like, I'll be able to, like, remember the good times and the bad times really sort of feels like, I don't know, just, I'm not really attached to that or, like. Oh, okay. You don't care about that. I mean, I'm sure, like, once I get closer to it, I might be like, well, I wouldn't mind remembering this, like, awesome pair of jeans I had, or, like, <laughs> <laughs> the, the feeling I get when I watch The Godfather, you know? Okay, okay, sure. Um, or, like, you know, that my true love's kiss, or, you know? Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you know, some sort of, like, reincarnation type thing, but, like, not as directly to where, like, I don't want to feel attached to the bug or deer or person I become to. Like, I think I just want to put that energy out into the universe and, like, give myself back to God. Okay. So, you're not – extinguished consciousness is not an issue for you. Yeah, not right now. You know, I feel like – 
yeah, I don't know what it just kind of se- seems so silly that even with my like greatest joke or my greatest thing yeah. or like my greatest friends or my greatest like events, trips, it just kind of feels silly to kind of be like in the span of everything, have a place where I like what live in that for the rest of like for eternity, you know, like it just, uh, yeah. You know, it's like we grow because we're, we, we will die, you know, and we just kind of keep moving towards death. Mm -hmm. But once like eternity hits and like, am I just like, it feels like a prison to be stuck and like, Oh, remembering my toys or going through my life. You know, like, so your desire for nothing, tell me if I'm getting this wrong, is really a rejection of just the available options. I guess so. Yeah. Because, okay, well, then what if I presented you the option of an afterlife where you continued to grow and change, um, but you did retain some Thomasness after you died in the new life. Is that, does that, how does that affect? You know, it feels like Faust or something or like, you know, or like vampire <laughs> stories where it's just like, you know, we just see vampires being bored and they've been alive for like 300 years. And like, they have the opportunity to, you know, there's like a sort of compromise that they have in like the literature that these great minds have like thought about. And mm-hmm. they've really thought about the vampires and what they would want to be doing. Um, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think an ending's nice, you know, I think an ending, even if it's like scary, uh, you know, you've kind of passed on what you need to pass on. And then like, I think, with that comes the sort of intentionality, like, you know, not only to me, it sounds like not only do I want to have a child, but I want the child to succeed where I failed, you know, where like, I think I want, you know, who knows if I'll ever have a child, but like, mm-hmm. you know, and still something using a child is like, you know, have my sort of time, my moment with this thing and then kind of send it on and it goes off to do whatever it will. And it can kind of do things that I can't imagine kind of go off and be happy in ways that are, you know, better, worse, their own journey that, uh, uh, goes on without me. So it's like life is the cake and the afterlife is eating it in terms of having your cake and eating it too. Or like life is, cake and the afterlife is ice cream and you're like why would i need ice cream if i've got this this beautiful cake to enjoy yeah to me it sounds like life is eating the cake and then after life they like give you the cake back and it's just like well i just ate this (laughs) (laughs) and like maybe it's got ice cream on there it's like oh but have you had it with ice cream it's just like yeah i guess i guess not but like (laughs) i just ate a piece of cake like you know like i'm full (laughs) yeah which, if you gave me two pieces of cake right now, I'd, I would eat it, you know? But, like, yeah, I, in hopes, if you gave me, you know, two pieces of cake after that, I might not eat it, you know? Well, right. If I gave you two pieces of cake, that's really just your allotment of cake. Yes. Yeah. It's different than if I gave you two pieces of cake and then surprised you with another piece of cake. That's the afterlife. Mm-hmm. The life is just the amount of cake 
you've got. And I think too, like something I, I've really been working on is like really sort of letting go of this feeling that I've done something wrong or I've done something embarrassing or like there's something I need to like fix. Maybe there are some things that I, mm -hmm. I, you know, if I like hurt someone's feelings, you know, would definitely love to hear about that and process with them. Right. But like just the sort of general everyday anxiety of like finishing a conversation and be like, oh, I can't believe I said, you know, waffle instead of pancake. Sure. Um, and really sort of like being okay with that feeling or sort of like the sort of standard kind of in the smallest form, these like foibles that you have and that like I can kind of dwell on and marinate on and ruminate on. Um, so to me, and this sort of, I feel like afterlife as redemption of your mm. life, that's not, I mean, I hope at that point, you know, I'm not as concerned with like writing some wrong or like, even if I did the worst thing imaginable, you know, I would have to heal from that, you know, like all these sort of, um, the ideas of the afterlife of like having a place to get a second chance, you know? Yeah. I think like, you know, if I didn't appreciate the first four bites of the cake, if I didn't appreciate bites one through four, and then I kind of like five and six really sort of tasted it, then kind of like seven through nine, once again, I was kind of like thinking about high school or something, <laughs> yeah. you know, nine through 12, you know, maybe present. And then like the last one's maybe not so present. And then I finished the cake and I'm like, well, it could have been more present, you know? Right. But you still, you, the cake's I gone. finished it. So yeah. I think like appreciating that or just like feeling how my body feels that maybe I feel like the sugar or like the taste still in my mouth or something. Sure. I want to totally skip over the question that actually comes most directly from Feed Wolf Ice Cream, which is the relive one memory question. I don't know if you remember that bit in the show where I ask someone if there's a specific memory they would want to relive mm -hmm. if heaven had basically like a room that they could replay over and over again. But I'm already going into too much detail because I don't even want to ask you that question because you already said earlier that the idea of just being able to relive the memories you've got, you've already eaten the cake and been done with it. So I'm going to skip right to... And do you want me to ask this question and then get coffee? Or do you want me to get coffee and then ask you the question. I'll give you the choice right now. So you asked me the question. We have like a little bit of a, we'll ha you'll have like 30 seconds to think about it. Okay. Um, maybe, yeah, let's get coffee. I might go pee and then you can ask the question. Great. Let's do it. Cool. Do you want more coffee? Uh, no, I'll take some more water. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And I, I'm gonna, I got an agenda before you ask the question. Oh, hit me with the agenda. Well, you know, I think your idea of a room that plays the memory sounds like a hell to me, you know, and That's like I, I've talked about it um, in this conversation, but it's like, I think nice to pick the memory or like, you know, as I was, you know, peeing and thinking about what my answer would be, mm -hmm. it was like, 
I don't know. It's an interesting question because everything I thought of would be like after the, the event or something where like, you know, it's like a walk home from a date with someone where I was excited sure. or like the feeling after I performed something. Yeah. You know, That's to where great. like it, it, it strange, it's like strange to me because it's not the event, mm-hmm. you know, or I wonder if you feel the event and then like you get the feeling after, like, you know, as you're watching it, you, you feel the feeling you felt afterwards as you were doing it. But like, you know, like my, one of, one of my answers was like after, in physical theater school, we have like, we have to present Jacques Lecoq's 20 movements. Okay. And it's like the sort of these movements that we've worked on for the entire year and like are very sort of like, there's a definite sort of right and wrong. Okay. We have to put them together in our own way and perform them in front of everyone. It's not interesting and it's not unique, you know, you know, wow. or like it is interesting, but it's not like, it's a different type of performance because it is like a, a montage of gestures that we all know. Yeah. So it, there's no arc to it. There's like nothing to sort of really sort of, you know, chew on. Yeah. But after that, I remember this sort of big relief and sort of this big sort of like, you know, I think I like screamed or like, yeah, I did it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like, you know, the event, I, I don't know if I'd want to like actually watch myself. Sure. Sure. Do, sure. But like that sort of like feeling. And then, you know, I think oftentimes, you know, how often, and then I was like thinking of like other performing, performing moments where like I'm proud of, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if like in that moment I'm aware of that. It's like really good or like, right, right, right. Yeah. So that's what I wanted to say as far as I appreciate that. And I think I just find it really interesting that like you, I think of you as such an embodied guy because you're one of the people who went to physical theater school and like, and, but, but your hell is a state of mind. Your, your, the, the memory you would relive is a state of mind is a, is a feeling that you would be basking in after it's these very like abstract states, which I just find really interesting because to me, being embodied is all about like living in specific moments. I just had an idea about why your answers to some of these questions might seem kind of abstract. And I think it's because just a theory, tell me if I'm right or wrong. It, it, it doesn't have to do with your answers themselves being abstract it's your language for the answers is abstract before we really got started we talked about how many times i've talked to people for a podcast and what that sort of repetition leads to it also just means i feel very very comfortable in words it like if i could exist as this is something I'm grappling with, but if I could exist as a brain without a body, most of the time I actually would choose that. Mm. I like to impress people. That's the way I like to impress people. Just verbal, 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 right? And and I think maybe because you've spent so much time learning the language of the body that like 
your answers to these questions about states of mind, you just it, – it, it might not be as natural to you to, to be able to like describe those in, in really – is this seeming insulting? Am I insulting you right now? I don't think so. I don't. Th- I don't know if I fully understand. I I feel like you could perform a dance uh-huh. t- it, 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 as your answer to some of these things more accurately, more true to how you feel the answers than to just describe them in words. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or yeah. I think you know. I am very sort of like pictorial and sort of like visual to where like I think earlier when we like talked about having feelings and it feels like three people are trying to go through one door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I can't describe the feeling like, you know, with like adjectives and like adverbs yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I can kind of like think of this sort of metaphor or this sort of visual. Right thing that might get towards one part of it or something. But if you just say that people are like, kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, like, you know, it, it definitely could fall flat. If like three people going through a door, they just get in the line and they walk through the door. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> How bi- It's like a big door in my head. It's a big door and they all just walk through. <laughs> What's your coma in the sense of a moment of transformation where before you were one version of yourself and after you became different? Thoughts I've had was like, you know, moving to Chicago, like my first two years in Chicago, you know, kind of like discovering improv and grappling with like life as an adult physical theater school and intense theater training that was like, you know, high highs and low lows. And at the end, a sort of trial achievement that I've gotten through that kind of um, has presented a, you know, has enriched and provided a sort of, It felt like it raised me up a rung or something that like I could never go underneath that rung. Um, the pandemic and like, you know, the sort of idea of, you know, being in it. Like I had a, you know, do you know Michael Frontier? That name sounds really familiar. He's like an intuitive. That's psychic. what I think Claire Favret has told me about him. Yes. And I told Claire about. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, he's like this intuitive reader. He sits with you for an hour, like plus and talks to you about, you know, he, he just kind of reads your aura, talks to his angels and tells you, you know, gives you advice for an hour Dang. and you don't, you, you can write down questions and he kind of sits on them and in the end, he'll kind of like open them up and be like, Oh yes, we talked about that. Or like, and he'll address the ones he hasn't addressed in his talking, but like, you know, saw him and kind of like, he, 
you know, <laughs> and his reading with me, he was like, oh, I think you need a mentor or like, you know, a life coach. And actually, I offer these services. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, but, you know, I do feel like with him and with myself, um, I've sort of rebuilt a foundation. And now I'm sort of like, you know, working on the house that I've built upon that foundation. So that's another one. Um, most recent one. So we, maybe that's a good place to kind of d- dig into. I mean, you've given, a, you've given us three options. What do you feel drawn to? Well, you know, I feel like in like when you like go back and look at stuff, you know, it's like moving to Chicago and like the sort of leaf of faith that was and like, you know, I'm just going to go back through them. And yeah. Why it. are you just going back through them? I don't know. Because it's like, you know, I've been living this sort of most recent one so much that yeah. it's kind of like, oh, remember when I first like remember like first moving to Chicago and like you just kind of like you like when you figure out when which direction north is and then you kind of like are on a street and you kind of like uh-huh. begin to kind of place things where they are in the city and then like taking improv classes and then like having success and then like also like not making a Herald team and then being destroyed. <laughs> um, sure. uh but why are you struggling? Why why do you feel the need to keep plucking from each of these comas, so to speak, rather than just committing to one that feels like it's it's on your mind? Yeah, because I think to me it's like you know I think it's kind of the three the three people are standing outside the door. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And so like you know, part of me is like, well, which uh, do I have to pick one to go? And then like you know. They're like doing rock, paper, scissors, and then like they got to go figure out who goes after that. Right. Um, well, let me ask this. What's the foundation that you feel like you've built during the pandemic that you're building on top of? What does that mean? Um, you know, kind of like defining and kind of like defining what it is I want and like, Kind of like working from career, from from career, from myself, from like everything. Okay, you know, um, because you know, I feel like I had like two hefty relationships in the pandemic. You know, kind of arc and end, and like that. I feel like you know, it feels like to me, um. You know, the thing about like three people with their eyes closed holding on to an elephant. Yeah. Do I, may, do I need to describe it for mm, your no, listeners? I don't think so. So where it feels like, you know, so in part it's like with each thing, like, so like a relationship is like a trunk and like they mm-hmm. all sort of like are the elephant, even though they all like look different to where like what I want from my love, like what, what I want from love and how am I, how am I in relationship? What do I want from like my career and mm-hmm. how do I sort of, uh, manage my productivity on a, on a regular basis right. and like love myself in that. And how do I sort of have a fruitful life of like friends, yeah. food, uh, dancing kind of. Yeah. You know, so those. So, are, is there something that connects all those things about? They're what, an elephant. What you want? <laughs> but <laughs> well, I mean, one's the trunk, one's the ears, and one's like the body. You know? Yeah, so. sure. But what's the uniting thing you want from all of them? I think you know contentment. Okay. Sure. You know, I think one contentment th- looks different depending on which 
part of the elephant you're in. Somewhat. I think, you know, one thing Michael Frontier, my life coach, always talks about is like he, when he was 38, his life, life went from like this like big sort of peaks and valleys sine curve to this sort of like very sort mm. of average of those. So yeah. like the highs weren't as high, but the lows weren't as low. Um, so it feels like I've been working towards that to where like it is a sort of contented life. And it's like a little bit, you know, you know, sometimes it's like I miss the chaos or I miss the yeah. sort of joys and like the sort of ecstasy of like the peaks and valleys. And it feels strange just to just be like, oh, yes, things are good or like, right. you know, I did it. I am doing it. Um, yeah. So. So that is. So that's the foundation you're building on. So before that, the person, before the pandemic, before the pandemic forced you to kind of reckon with what you want from your life, you were j- the, the way you would describe yourself before that was by those extremes. I think so. Yeah. And now on the other end of defining some of those things, you're a little bit steadier. I think so. I hope so. Does it feel, well, you, you did say you missed the, the chaos and the extremes sometimes. Yeah. But I just want, I, cause I, I have the same feeling at times and I, I wonder, I'm like, maybe I need extreme. Do I, do I need an extreme? Do I need to like, burn my life to the ground to me to, to feel something right now or you know am i kidding myself that that this is good that this is better i don't think i am ultimately but do i want fame should i actually be killing myself to try to become the most successful of my friends and constantly looking over my shoulder i mean it sounds terrible as i describe it now but yeah, but I think, you know, invite the tiger to the table and say like, all right, what are you what are you telling me? Like, you know, to take your example of yeah. fame, like and this podcast maybe. It's like, you know, are there things that you could start to do or like start planning to do or like meet with people or like, you know, like the sort of slow process of like if a sort of recognition of this wonderful podcast that you've created and like wanting to take it to its highest place that it can go. But that's different than the fame dream. I think it's a better way of looking at fame where like, it's like you want to recognize how great, you know, if it's like, Oh, I'm seeking fame. Like, Oh, I want to be famous. I want to be famous. Like pull the tiger to the table, talk to the tiger and be like, well, sure, what sure. if, we really push for making this podcast. Let's see how far we can take this podcast. Yeah, totally. You know? I mean, yeah. We're talking we, – we feel the same way or talking about the same thing. But to me, that means a rejection of the fame dream. I understand bringing the impulse to the table. But it means being like, oh, no. I don't want fame. I want immersion in a creative project. I want connection with as many people as possible. I want the ability to 
to, I want this to turn into performance opportunities to do the show live, which is not necessarily where I'm going. I have thought about, I'm like, I can't imagine doing this show live. It does not feel like a live show to me. Um, maybe someday I'll, I'll think of it. But anyway, we're not talking about me. We're talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, you know, I feel like, well, we're talking, we're, we're talking about, I understand the tweak you made of the foundation. What are you trying to, what does it mean to be building on that foundation of, okay, now I know what I want. Then what? You know, I think it's like, it is looking at the sort of urges for like, when I am looking to the highest heights like we you know when i see myself going into the peaks and valleys and seeing like mm-hmm. how high the peak could go right of like oh i could be i could get so great at writing screenplays that i win an oscar and i'm like this sort of great right, playwright right, right, right. and just kind of like seeing that inviting the tiger to the table and just saying like cool that could be possible but let's like right now focus on like having a consistent practice or seeing like I just watched a bunch of like Harmony Korine movies mm. and like hearing him talk about kids, um, you know, which he didn't direct, but, uh, you know, he describes that point in his life and like the people he met of like sort of pre internet oblivion seekers. Mm. And I do feel like I've always sort of romanticized that or like, you know, maybe we all do. For of, like, sure. Well, I, I, of, yeah, I don't know if we all do, but I, have yeah people who kind of like circle the edge and sort of live on the sort of fringes right right and the sort of things that can happen on in those and like seeing that and kind of like you know feeling it or just kind of like and having that see where that takes me of like oh i don't know if i want to throw away my life or seek oblivion but maybe i need to travel somewhere or like go on a trip or uh go to take a risk and take a dance class or like, you know, how, if I'm feel is that a sort of sense of feeling pent up? And these are things that I can name, you know, sometimes it's unnameable where it's like, you know, I'm feeling restless and I don't know how to not feel restless. Mm -hmm. So like I kind of eat something or like do, do, you know, go on some sort like fill, try to fill that feeling with something. Yeah. So you know, I think it's like getting used to everything or just like, you know, if I'm going to be a, uh, an actor, you know, is there a way in like doing stuff that I think is so embarrassing, like defining a brand or like Oof. writing, you know, writing anything and presenting something I've written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't necessarily have to be that peak now, but I can begin to sort of define what that is. And that's to me building upon the sort of foundation of, of sort of stability and health and kind of patience yeah. and willingness to sort of be cringe or sort of be embarrassing. Mm. Um, so yeah. And I think, you know, I'm still kind of like figuring out what that is. So like, you know, maybe some parts are un- of the house are unfinished or unfurnished or like there's a couch that I don't want to be there forever, but it's there now so I can watch television and take naps on it. You know? Yeah. It, what's the deal with dancing? You mentioned it twice now. I like really like dancing and it's like, I feel like 
you know, it's like weird to seek out as like a 38 year old white guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do I go downtown and dance? (laughs) Right. And like, I'm like dancing with like 20 year olds and like, that feels strange. But then I'm like, kind of also like, you know, it's like, oh, but like that person's beautiful. Like, what if I were able to say something to that person Mm -hmm. in in a way that they would want to have a conversation with me? Um, But it's like, you know, it feels like strange and intimate to kind of like, let myself have. And I've certainly kind of like danced around my apartment or like, you know, I don't know. Yeah, so I think it's like something I feel like I get a lot of joy from and like a lot of, uh, you know, satisfaction from, but it's like hard to give myself it. And it's also like one of those things like writing or like anything that, you know, sometimes it like I'm like dancing and I'm not lost in it. And I'm just like, mm-hmm, well, I'm really mm-hmm. thinking about like turning my shoulders right now or like kind of bopping and looking around for inspiration. Um, you know, so I, I feel like I've yet, you know, I love it when I'm in flow or just sort of like moving and just kind of lost and, and kind of feel like I'm kind of being silly and kind of moving my body in a certain way. And, um, you know, so it feels like a, how do I get there? You know, and maybe it just starts. I just have to like make time for it. Yeah. Like, you know, but you know, how do I do it? Like, you know, on New Year's, a friend of mine is a DJ in in Milwaukee. Okay. Had a DJ show. So like we did go and like, you know, danced, but it was like, I don't know. It's it's also in me of like, how do I define what it is that I want to dance or like how I want to dance? Sure. Sure. Like I just watched the lobster and like okay. they have like you know the the lost people or whatever the people who aren't in the in the hotel mm-hmm. they have like all the these CD players and they have like a CD player dance they have like a silent rave right, right. and the the actress that they showed like the way she was dancing was just like oh I think I want to dance like that okay you know like big and expressive yeah yeah um so I think that was like you know maybe a breadcrumb that I can kind of follow. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I think of when you, uh, when you reflect <laughs> back what, what I mean by dancing. The last question I've got, I've been referring to as unwritten rules. Something about that you believe about the world or how life works that you think that you feel very strongly, but you think it might be kind of particular to you. Yeah. Maybe, you know, I think my sort of holistic advice was maybe find the sort of, you know, that's the sort of gentle sign curve that I was talking about. Yeah. But I think, um, my uh, maybe more fun answer was like, I think everyone should like do bits more. Mm, mm, like, okay. Pretend to be other people and like have conversations as a character, you know? Yeah. I think that's like, you know, I feel like we'll oftentimes like talk about some people behind their back of like, oh, that person's always on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like they're always kind of doing bits. And I think, so. you know, it can be inappropriate or like it can kind of go against the vibe of the room. Sure. 
But I just love sort of playing in conversation and kind of like pretending to be someone or like, you know, joking about something and kind of going down a sort of rabbit hole that like might not be interesting to kind of like turn into a performance. But like, sure. if we're each kind of like thinking about like funny things to say to the coffee shop person, you know. <laughs> and we just kind of, so you mean actually pre-planning some? No, 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 oh, no. Okay. Just kind of like if we were like. I can't think of a good example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as all, as I think all of these should be and that they're so kind of innocuous. Right. You know, I think like, oh, I think someone kind of recently told me to say it differently. It's like, oh, could you say that differently? And I think I said it the same way, but in a British accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, You know, and I think like stuff like that where like, you know. If someone did that to me, I would like start talking. I think the other person started talking like in a British accent. We like talking British accents for like yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So I think um, that is my, maybe my uh, sort of uh, selfish totally. ant- answer that I would love, um, you know, the, well, a, a wider range of opportunities to go down rabbit holes with people and to maybe just do like tiny little improv shows. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, I think comedians talk about people being always on and doing too many bits in an annoying way. But we've all had the experience, in fact, most of our lives before becoming comedians and finding a community of people who do comedy of, of not people not doing them enough and being like how, how, how bland and boring and how misunderstood you feel when you think at all outside of the ordinary um not not to over glorify comedy or comedians but i remember you just kind of contextualized a moment for me when i was in high school a buddy worked at starbucks and uh he was making a drink for some woman and honestly looking back it's like oh this was like a, a karen this woman was asking him like how much acid is in the coffee and he just looked at her and he said none man that's illegal and I would like, I thought it was like the funniest thing in the world because I knew what she meant. I, I saw what he was doing and it was so, it was just like, oh, just this, you're like opening. Have you, have you read the, um, his dark materials books or seen the HBO show? I read the books long ago. Okay. So and you I know the concept of the subtle knife. Kind of. You this got, knife you... that, that you, that you like kind of, not necessarily concentrate, but you kind of go into a flow state and you're able to cut into other worlds. Mm-hmm. You just reach it out through the air. You slice the air into another world. And I feel like that's what bits do is like open up this world to be like, hey, you could just be ordering coffee from me or we could have a little fun here. Yeah. And I think another way that I think about it, which is – similar is that like you know our brains like we won't remember things that we've done a lot so like you don't remember brushing your teeth last night you kind of don't remember turning off your oven Mm -hmm. like you don't remember locking your door but like i think when you start playing you and it is like a little bit of like a you know it is like a little bit desire or like a little bit sort of um i don't know it, it feels like I think it could be toxic to play too much. And that's what like, you know, but I do think it's like taking something like a coffee shop interaction and making it into something more memorable or like taking, you know, conversation, which 
we don't really need to tell anybody anything, you know, <laughs> like we don't have to like, this is all superfluous, you know, like we could we, like, we, you know, but it turns it into something and even like conversation, which, you know, you get to your forties and like, you've probably talked about everything, you know, <laughs> like, I hope not, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. Sure. You know, you get the gist of it, you know, you like, like talking to a teenager, like, and the stuff that they're like, excited, like, yeah. they'll talk about, it's like some of it, or even like, you know, people who just moved to Chicago, and they want to like, talk to you about improv mm-hmm. in a way that you're like, oh, yes, I have been where you are. And I've said these things. And I don't need to say them again, you know, so I am not the best receptacle for this. Oh, okay. Conversation, like, you know, or like, you know, there yeah. is like a sort of, if you want to like expand this thing, you need to find a peer or like, right, you right, know, right, right. but I do feel like in doing bits, you sort of invent something new or like you sort of make a game out of the, the nonsense <laughs> to me, that is conversation. <laughs> What a better way to end the show than to talk about the nonsense of conversation. Yeah. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Tell a friend who would love the show about it. Follow Sand at that link in the show notes. Join the Sand mailing list by emailing Thomas D. Kelly at Gmail. Go to patreon.com slash Mar for more from the This Is Your Afterlife audio universe. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You can do miracles. Miracles. You can do them. Have faith. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they do miracles.